The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood, join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store or via the app. Yeah, hold that please, level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what, sorry? The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. I'm John Norman, and on tonight's show, we reflect on a pulsating game at Trent Bridge, where Australia took on West Indies. Four, four, four to end the innings, but it is victory for Australia and Aaron Finch. Tenth in a row in ODIs, but they had to work for it. Australia pulling victory from out of nowhere, thanks to an unlikely source. I was just trying to stick around for a little bit, um, played a pull shot second ball, so went straight up, but... Uh, yeah, luck went my way, I guess. A couple fell short, I got dropped. Um, inside edge a few, but just the way cricket goes. I guarantee you, you will never see Nathan Coltonile score 92 and take man of the match at a World Cup again. Four reactions to come from that match. Plus, we hear from New Zealand's Ross Taylor. Against Afghanistan, we're going to be um, have a lot of spin uh, there. So, you know, something to, to factor in. Um, but two from two. That was what we wanted to do and and we were able to do that. Plenty to discuss today. You're listening to Following On. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm John Norman and, uh, well, pretty breathless actually after a ridiculous couple of days of cricket. I was at the Oval yesterday watching as uh, New Zealand squeezed home by two wickets against Bangladesh. What an amazing atmosphere in the crowd. And then today at Trent Bridge, Australia beating West Indies by 15 runs. A game that really they had no right to win and actually shouldn't have won. Uh, Five down with just 79 on the board as uh, O'Shane Thomas and Andre Russell and Sheldon Cottrell gave them the hurry up at the top of the order. And then, uh, as expected, they put on a bit of a partnership. Alex Carey, I thought, uh, batted very well, judged his innings at pretty much to perfection. Surprised when he was out. He was dismissed for 45. Steve Smith uh, continued his good form. He was 73 before he went, thanks to a, a quite brilliant uh, Sheldon Cottrell catch on the boundary. But who saw Nathan Coltonal top scoring with 92 and taking man of the match honours? Not even Nathan Coltonal. Uh, fortunate at times, he was dropped twice and uh, could have been out on numerous occasions, but when it's your day, it is your day. So 288 all out. And uh, when West Indies came out to bat, they lost a couple of wickets early. And uh, we saw a couple of really dodgy umpiring decisions as well. Both umpires standing today um, had some poor moments. Chris Gale uh, given out three times in an over. 
uh, before he uh, finally succumbed to the third of those. Dismissed for 21 uh, when really the ball before should have been called as a no ball and he would have, uh, of course, not been dismissed at the delivery from Stark, which uh, saw his wicket fall. Um, in and around that, given out twice before that uh, and successfully overturning them. It was to become a feature of the match as Jason Holder, who uh, ended up 51, uh, was also given out twice. LBW on uh, 7 and 23 and successfully overturning them as well. So the umpiring a feature of the game, some brilliant catches. Shea Hope behind the stumps uh, to dismiss Aaron Finch, absolutely brilliant. Uh, actually, no, it was Kwaja, absolutely brilliant catch. When West Indies batted, though, they were always either behind, uh, the, behind the asking rate or only with their noses in front. And a couple of the shot selections that the batsmen will look back on will disappoint them. Poran played nicely for 40. Hetmeyer, n- nonsense run out with Hope. He made 21. Hope himself just chipping tamely to mid-on for 68. And just when you thought... Uh, Jason Holder and Carlos Brathwaite in putting on 36 for the seventh wicket. They just about got West Indies to the position they needed to be and then both went in the same over. That pretty much was that. Let's hear from the two captains involved today. Uh, First up, uh, Australia's captain, Aaron Finch. Yeah, we just kept hanging in there, didn't we? I think from four for 30-odd to be able to fight back and, and that partnership between... Alex Carey and Steve Smith to, to get us a little bit deeper, and then Nathan Coulton-Isle to play the way that he did was uh, was exceptional and something that we've always we've always felt that he's got the ability to. And uh, today he got the opportunity to bat a bit longer, and uh, which is not ideal from the top order to miss out and uh, put us in that position. But uh, even with the ball, we hung in there and hung in there, and, and I'm really proud of the boys for that. Were you nervous at any stage? Oh, absolutely. At, at, <laughs> at four for 30, I mean, when, when they're coming hard at you and, and we know how up and about West Indies are when, when they're on top and uh, for us to keep hanging in there and end up with a score of 284, 88, 288, which was, which was outstanding in the end, um, early wickets and then partnerships, but, but we kept fighting back. We kept taking wickets through that middle part, which was crucial. Yeah, some good catching as well, Maxwell, but just in terms of your captaincy, the way you had to rotate the bowlers and bringing Stark back a couple of times... Well, you have to keep trying to get wickets. You know, once the West Indies, once they get set, they're, they're so destructive. They can hit it to all parts and chase anything in that last 10 over. So you just have to keep trying to find ways that you can get a breakthrough, uh, stall some momentum, maybe get them to take a risk. And, and uh, yeah, it worked in patches today. And any areas you, you want great improvement in? Oh, I think you can always keep brushing up on it all. I think the, the output of our top order bar, Steve, was, was disappointing. A uh, few, few poor shots. Uh, and with the ball, I think that there were still some areas to improve. I think sometimes we, we didn't get our short balls quite high enough and, and offered a little bit of width at other times. But to still come away with two points with a lot of improvement to do is, uh, is a real positive. As considered as ever, it was his catch, actually, um, that dismissed Puran that really turned the game back the way of Australia. West Indies at that point, 99 for two. Uh, what about Jason Holder then? He uh, he took a wicket and uh, scored 50, but I suppose it was his dismissal pulling Mitchell Stark down Adam Zampa's throat at uh, short fine leg that ended any real hopes West Indies had to win the match. Let's hear what he had to say to Sky Sports. Yeah, obviously disappointing. You know, I thought we were well in the game there, in the like, dying stages of the game. Um, yeah, just a few irresponsible shots, you know, when we probably just needed to just tuck it around a little bit more. Um, but having said that, I still think there are lots, lots of positives that came out of this game. You know, um, we were obviously disappointed with the way we lost, you know, but I still think there's lots of things that we could take from it. There's a lot of depth in that side, and we saw a good part of that today. But what was the biggest moment that hurt you, do you think? Um, 
I guess we dropped because now when it's about 60 odd, you know, and, and then end up getting another 30 odd runs. Um, you can look at that as one one pivotal moment. Um, but obviously in the batting, you know, I, I think if we came here at the start of the day and that's, you know, to limit Australia to 80, we would have taken that. You know, I haven't said I just think the batters need to take the responsibility and, and knock it off. And a costly run out. Definitely. Um, yeah, just a costly run out, a few responsible shots, as I said, and, you know, you know, fall to the. Well, the confidence you take out of this is this depth to your squad. You can go very deep into this tournament, I believe. Yeah, we still believe you know, that we can win this competition. You know, it's still early days, and I think the competition is wide open. You know, we've just got to be a little bit more co consistent. You know, and when we got teams down, we got to keep them down. Jason Holder there, looking back at a disappointing uh, day for West Indies in the end. Certainly didn't expect it to be that way when Australia were on the ropes. But credit to the Aussies, they never know when they're beaten, and that was the case today. Um, mentioned briefly earlier the uh, New Zealand Bangladesh match at the Oval uh, yesterday. Another terrific. Contest. I mean, there'd been a bit of a bit of chat when Pakistan were bowled out cheaply, uh, Afghanistan and Sri Lanka as well. That uh, we hadn't seen any humdinger matches in the World Cup so far, and in truth, it shouldn't have been a humdinger because Bangladesh underperformed with the bat. Really, the uh, life was squeezed out of them in the middle overs. Uh, continually lost wickets, and it was really just uh, New Zealand continuing to shoot themselves in the foot that even made it a contest. Um, winning the game by eight wickets um, with uh, Ross Taylor, top scoring for New Zealand. He's uh, such a wonderful batsman to watch. But uh, yeah, let's hear what uh, Ross Taylor had to say, actually. The uh, New Zealand batsman looking back at that game and uh, just saying that being under pressure probably stood them in good stead. It's still the start of the tournament. We're still getting used to these conditions and... Um but we were put under pressure today and we came out with the right result and I think you know that bodes well for the tournament. Um, obviously a lot of spin was bowled today and I think uh, against Afghanistan we're going to be um, have a lot of spin uh, there so you know something to, to factor in um, but two from two uh, that was what we wanted to do and, and we were able to do that. Um, it's a World Cup it's not a bilateral match um, you lose that you go on to the next game it's, it's still very important but yeah, it's. I guess you know. In hindsight, it would have been nice to have had an established batter in there towards the end, and I guess that was why I was disappointed with for for me to get out. Um, but in that situation, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, the boys held their nerve towards the end there, um, and that's all you can ask for. It's not going to be the last time we put under pressure in this tournament, and it's nice to have got out the other end um, with the win, and I'm sure that will put well that when we are put under pressure whether we're batting first or, or, or batting second uh, that we can take some some heart out of the way we did today the men's room a talk sport podcast in partnership with tool station from masculinity to mental health friendship to fatherhood join tom skinner and neil razor ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal the Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store, or via the app. Now hold that, please. Level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? 
Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ross Taylor, New Zealand's, uh, well, not his premier batsman, I suppose Williamson is that, but in terms of aesthetics, certainly the man I would uh, pay to go and watch. Uh, there was some news coming out of South Africa today. If you thought that losing three matches in the on the spin was bad enough, a story that broke on ESPN Quick Info that A.B. de Villiers had actually made himself available to play in the World Cup, but uh, had possibly left it so late that the South African management decided it uh, it just wasn't worth the hassle. Uh, Telford Vice, top South African broadcaster and journalist, spoke with Andrew McKenna on TalkSport 2 today uh, about the story. It's the last thing South Africa need, having been smacked in the first three games of the World Cup, of course. But uh, I think there's an important point of clarification which needs to be made. Uh, where that statement says that uh, uh, Fastipusi and Otis Gibson shared uh, Abe de Villiers' desire to come back with, with the selectors, it means, and, and we've clarified this with the South African team management, not that they shared the desire, but they shared the, they shared the information. De desire. Yeah, they shared the information. So it's not a, it's, it's, we can't take it as read that they were in favour of de Villiers coming back. Uh, which is, of course, an important distinction. Uh, but, but yeah, it's 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 a complete shock. It's uh, it, it's it's the last thing, as I said, South Africa need to 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 hit them after playing pretty poorly in three games at this World Cup, and uh, you know another another loss, and they they're pretty much on the plane home. Well, absolutely, and you have to wonder: is that the reason that this information has come out now? Zero and three, they have to win six games in a row to basically stand any chance. Is this someone? on the, uh, the AB side of things saying, well, actually, things could have been so much better. I mean, where do we think this has been leaked from? You would have to think so. Um, of course, you know, the reporters on the tour are all scrambling around asking questions like that. Um, and, and, and we would like to know that. That would be the logical uh, conclusion that, you know, that's where it came from. But, you know, we also need to stop and think. AB de Villiers had three goes at winning the World Cup, once as captain, and uh, he doesn't have any World Cups to show for himself. It's, it, it's a different thing going off to the IPL and smacking all sorts of uh, questionable bowling to, to all parts of very small grounds and then trying to come and do that in England. It's not the same thing. So I don't think, you know, just putting A.B. de Villiers in the South African side it, it makes them uh, world beaters. We know from, from three lots of experience that that's simply not true. Um, and and uh, I have a lot of uh, empathy for the selectors. What do they do? They've been putting all sorts of other players into the mix, preparing and plotting and planning and looking at various combinations and the, the balance of this team and whatnot. And then this fellow pops up and says, I'd like to come back. I mean, that's, you know, that's hardly fair on his part. Um, and, and I can see why they didn't let him back in. Absolutely. It's one thing to announce that you're interested in coming back six months out, three months out, to push two months out. But on the day that they named the squad... I mean, that's almost as if it, it feels like he's trying to push them into a, to a corner that they can't possibly pick him. And then we end up with this situation a few weeks down the line. We do. Um, we, we're also trying to confirm whether that is, in fact, the case, that it was, um, you know, 24 hours before the squad was named that, that this news came through. 
Um, or there's a lot that's still in the clouds about this story. When did ABWS say so? When was this uh, information communicated to the selectors? Um, those are the ifs and buts of it right now. Um, and and there's, there's a lot that can go wrong. In, in, you know, there's a lot that's still unknown about the story in that sense. So, yes, if you, and, and, and at, the, at this stage, the only version we have is, of course, uh, the selectors' version. Um, and, and, and it may well be that ABWS did say something earlier and, uh, and it may have been communicated or not. So it, there is a lot that's up in the air at the moment, um, but it is, uh, it's a great big mess. And, uh, you know, we've been in this place before, South Africa. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, A.B. de Villiers himself has posted on social media, all that's important is that we should all focus on supporting the team at the World Cup. There is a long way to go, and I believe the boys can still go all the way. I presume he ran out of characters uh, before uh, adding on to that, to Heathrow and get the flight home again, because I can't really see how they can turn this around. But... Let's play hypotheticals here, Telford. If A.B. de Villiers had said six months ago, I'm interested, what do you think? Do you think Cricket South Africa would have then said, OK, let's look at it? Or would they have said, look, mate, we've moved on from here. As they've said in this statement, they've they put time, energy into other players. Would they have wanted to have turned back the clock? Because... There's already Hashim Amla, who's probably 18 months past his best. There's Dale Stain, who's come at 60% fit and is already on the plane home. Would it have felt like they were trying to put the band back together almost? I think it would have been a different conversation. Um, uh, but I, I don't think it was by any means certain that they would have, you know, welcomed A.B. de Villiers back because the team had moved on. Um, you've got a former captain coming back and that's never an easy thing. Um, he used to be the leader of that team, and 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 the, and the whole culture of the team had changed quite a lot um, from when he from when he retired. Also, before he retired, Cricket South Africa did pull out the stops and say, "For goodness' sake, don't retire. Um, you know, we'll manage it, and we'll you can play less and whatnot." And he and he simply didn't want to know. So it wasn't as if he was saying, you know, he he was happy to retire. He wanted to retire. It came as a shock. He was gone. That was his decision. Nobody forced him to do it. And, and to, to come back in, you must remember this, this World Cup squad and the planning for this World Cup is something like two years in the making. Um, it's, not, it's not a six-month thing. Um, so it, it was well underway then. And, and also, who do you leave out for him? Um, simply because he's A.B. de Villiers doesn't mean he's got some you know, God-given right to play in the team. The question is, who do you leave out for him? And, and Rassi van der Dissen, who's his ostensible replacement, well, he's, he's actually one of South Africa's better players at this World Cup, and he's, he's, uh, he deserves his place. So it's a murky thing, and, and I think you know, there's a lot of social media reaction and people saying, for goodness sake, where is David Avellis? You could have sorted this all out. We don't know that. And also, you can't compare the apples of the IPL to the pears of the, of the World Cup. I have to ask you, uh, Telford, 0-3 so far with six games to go. Has the bleeding stopped, or could it get worse for South Africa in this tournament? No, no, it could easily get worse when you consider who they've got to play. They've got West Indies next in Southampton on Monday and we saw that Southampton pitch yesterday um, against India there's a lot in it for bowlers so if they get another surface like that and we know what the West Indies did to Pakistan in uh, up at Trent Bridge the other day bowled them out for 105 so uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, South Africa are going to have to play out of their socks they're probably going to have to play better 
than they've ever played at a World Cup previously to get out of this jam. It's Telford Vice, broadcaster and journalist from South Africa, talking about the story about A.B. de Villiers uh, putting himself up for selection at the 11th hour for the World Cup. Um, there's plenty more going on in and around the World Cup, and Scott Taylor is your man to cast his eye about the games that have occurred and are about to. Over to you, Scott. Hi, I'm Scott Taylor, and away from Australia against the West Indies, here's what else is happening at the Cricket World Cup. India finally began their tournament on Wednesday with a comfortable six-wicket victory over struggling South Africa. Rohit Sharma struck an unbeaten 122 at the Aegeus Bowl, but despite scoring 23 ODI centuries already, Captain Virat Kohli thinks that this one in Southampton was top of the pile. In my opinion, of all the brilliant innings I've seen him play, I think this, for me, was um, the top of the pile because of the way he compiled his innings and at no stage did we feel like or he felt like he's going to throw it away. So, yeah, in my opinion, uh, by far his best knock. It seems he thrives with the responsibility at being at the top of the order, Rohit being the only opener to play more than 40 ODIs and score an average of over 50. But what about South Africa? Having lost all three of their games so far, they need a miracle if they're to qualify for the semi-finals. All-rounder Chris Morris starred in that defeat yesterday and says the only consolation is that they now know what they have to do to qualify. It's pretty it's pretty simple, eh? You lose three in a row at the World Cup when you're playing only nine games or eight games, you know what you need to do. You need to win every game from now on in. It's been an emotional roller coaster for Morris, having initially been left out of the squad, only to find himself back in the squad due to the injuries. But he says watching a certain reality television show helps when playing in these World Cups. I reckon I'm okay. I've got quite a good support base at home, so I'm, I'm pretty good. And the team's very tight. Love Island started, so we're good. At least we know what Chris Morris will be doing at 9pm most nights then. India next face Australia on Monday, while South Africa return to the Aegeus Bowl against the West Indies on Tuesday. And it gets worse for South Africa as it emerged they decided against including A.B. de Villiers in their World Cup squad, after revealing he offered to reverse his international retirement. That's with the backing of coach Otis Gibson and captain Fath Duplessis. South African cricket journalist Telford Vice spoke with TalkSport 2 and says despite going north from free, AB won't be the fix to all their problems. I don't think you know just putting AB de Villiers in the South African side it, it makes them uh, world beaters. We know from, from three lots of experience that that's simply not true. Well, moving on to the other game to happen on Wednesday, and New Zealand made it two wins from two with victory over Bangladesh at the Oval. But boy, did they do their best not to win the game. Chasing just 245, they were cruising at 160 for two. Fast forward 15 overs, and they're 238 for eight, and in real danger of losing the game. Ross Taylor struck what turned out to be a match-winning 82, and said experiencing these collapses will only make them better as the tournament goes on. It's still the start of the tournament. We're still getting used to these conditions, and we're put under pressure today, and we came out with the right result, and I think you know that bodes well for the tournament. But two from two, uh, that was what we wanted to do, and, and we were able to do that. Well, next up for New Zealand is Afghanistan, whilst Bangladesh face World Cup favourites England on Saturday. Talking of England, and Liam Plunkett's been speaking to the media ahead of that game, and after being left out in the defeat to Pakistan on Monday, he says he still respects Owen Morgan's decision. Whatever Morgs feels is best. Uh, it's been like that for the for last how many years. Uh, he's picked the team that thinks he's going to win the game for the, for the conditions, but I hope so, and we'll see. Now looking ahead to tomorrow's action, and Pakistan will look to continue their momentum from beating England when they face Sri Lanka in Bristol. 
you feel the key to another Pakistan victory would be down to the form of Baba Azam. His 63 was crucial in their win at Trent Bridge on Monday, and he averages over 50 with the bat in ODI cricket, a career that's lasted 66 matches so far. Batting coach Graham Fowler knows how to score a run or two, having struck more than 16,500 first-class runs in his career, and says Baba can be among the elite in the game. I think he's close to being at the top of his game, and uh, you know he's really exciting to watch. And I think Baba, he's really exciting, and he's going to be one of the best players in the world. And in the week US President Donald Trump visited the United Kingdom, it was only apt that Fowler used a well-known quote from Mr President when discussing rumours he could leave Pakistan after this World Cup. That was fake news. I, I don't know where that came from. Fake news indeed. Well, Sri Lanka come into the game on the back of victory over Afghanistan, but there were again concerns about their batting. Kusel Pereira was the only batsman to pass 50 and just one of five players to record double figures as they collapsed from 144 for one to 201 all out. Captain Dimuth Karuna Ratne thinks that if they can rectify that, then they'll beat Pakistan. If we can put a 300, definitely uh, our bowlers can defend it. I'm pretty sure of that. So who will grab their second win of the World Cup? Be sure to listen to Saturday's following on podcast, where they'll discuss this and reflect on England against Bangladesh in Cardiff. Big thanks to Scott Taylor there. He'll be back, as will I, on Saturday. The next following on podcast will follow the action in Cardiff. Uh, you can follow the action through TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Myself and Guy Swindles will be uh, overseeing that one. And Steve Harmison's uh, phone-in as well. That'll be on 6 till 7 on TalkSport 2. So make sure you tune in for that. Friday's game is Pakistan against Sri Lanka. Uh, Sri Lanka and Pakistan both with one win apiece so that should be a fascinating contest takes place at Bristol and Andrew McKenna will be your host and then it'll be England-Bangladesh on Saturday as well as Afghanistan versus New Zealand a chance for Afghanistan to get their first points and an opportunity for New Zealand to go three from three Uh, but that pretty much brings us to the end of following on today thanks for listening And remember, if uh, you like what you hear and to never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe either on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. See you on Saturday when England take on Bangladesh. The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood. Join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store or via the app. Now hold that please, level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.